0: Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset trauma coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. This week I'm joined by Ellie Kay. Ellie is a groundbreaking boudoir photographer whose mission is to encourage femme humans to pursue pleasure in their daily lives. She's very familiar with self-doubt and has overcome imposter syndrome in her own life and the career of exalted boudoir. Over the last decade, Ellie has worked to dismantle her negative thought cycles and channel her energy into art. She derives so much satisfaction from her work, the work that she does with her clients and the online community that she has built. She loves being a part of the celebration of people's self-love journey and their discovery of pleasure. At 32 years old, she's crushing her limiting beliefs and finally found her voice. Woo! Yeah, baby. Thank you. How are you? (laughs) Okay.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. I I love your story. I love everything you stand for. We've chatted um, before the show. Mm -hmm. it's the first time I've seen you because you were in a car being driven somewhere last time so it is it's lovely to see you and uh, you know there's there is so much that I want to discuss with you on so many different levels um but I think it'd be really cool if we could just kick off with starting with your own experience of imposter syndrome and as you mentioned you know you've gone through a 10-year battle of learning how to dismantle that and, you know, with the, the podcast, it's really about helping people to understand their own discovery in their journey. Um, and we can often learn so much through other people's discovery and their journeys. And so I'd love to just deep dive a little bit into what that looked like for you, what patterns um, came through for you, good and bad, and how you sort of managed to navigate through that to go on and, and to find your voice and crush these bloody awful limiting beliefs let's be honest (laughs)
1: they are the worst aren't they they are the worst so I am no stranger to self-doubt limiting beliefs any of those things I I've experienced that since I was a child I remember I would have an idea for something and and the, the voice in the back of my head you can't do that that's not gonna work or you know something like that like I've struggled with those kind of scripts that play out in our head my whole life. So this is not just something that was related to my work. This wasn't just related to my career or my community. This started when I was a child, you know, from as, as young as I can remember, I had beliefs about my body, about my gender, about who I was as a person that I've carried with me and have kind of had built up into these this story that was playing out in my head as I was going through my day on autopilot of who I was and what I could and couldn't do and when my when I when I started to really get into my 20s and I was trying to make things happen I just constantly like I felt crushed by the weight of those voices of those like you can't do it it's gonna fail what if it goes wrong what if What if, what if, what if, what if? And I I let it stop me from doing so many amazing things that I wanted to do because I was so afraid of what failure would look like or how I would perceive or how would I recover from a failure? Like all of those thoughts, those what ifs, you know, swirled around in my brain so frequently. And there were so many risks that I didn't take because of it. And the last 10 years of my life have all, like, stacked on top of each other to bring me to the person I am today, but it was not without uh, overcoming some definite struggles. Um, I, throughout my career, I definitely most clearly felt the imposter syndrome, Um, and I imagine most of your listeners know, but imposter syndrome being where you don't feel entitled to to praise you don't feel due recognition you don't feel like you've worked hard enough you feel like you've tricked people into believing that you've done a good job and and for people like you and I the kind of people who are so driven by by purpose and by by the work that we do because we understand how important it can be when you love what you do when you love what you do it can be so important and I've Brought that love with me from everything that I've done. I am a boudoir photographer now, and I will probably be for the rest of my life. But I've done so many other different things in the field of art and business as well. And overcoming those beliefs didn't happen overnight. It was so many different times where I had to take a step back and I had to be like, Is this how evolved me? Is this how my highest self shows up for me right now? Mm. Is this things that my highest self believes for me right now? And slowly but surely, as I was presented with an opportunity where that voice said, you can't do it, I, as bravely and as frequently as I could, and wow, it was at baby steps in the beginning. I took those opportunities to prove that voice wrong.
0: We started with small
1: risks, real small, real tiny stuff. You know, um, it started with stuff as small as get a credit card, you know, to show yourself that you can trust yourself with money. And, and it, it was other things like take on that freelance project that feels a little bit bigger than what you're used to handling. And, you know, it was all of these small steps along the way that I was able to take opportunities to pause and say, this script that I'm hearing, is this the story or is this my truth? And if this is my truth, that's okay. But if it's the script, I don't wanna keep participating in that anymore. And that was really the turning point for me was, I don't want this story
0: anymore. How did you recognize that it was a story and not factually correct because like so many people, I mean, I, I know obviously that because you say, oh, you know, hear voices, hear stories, but ultimately it's coming from within and it's in your voice and in your head. Right. And so people don't often recognise it in that moment of it being a story and just right. think, especially if it's something like, you know, you said you've had it pretty much all your life. Mm-hmm. So... Yep some people don't know any different and have always adapted their life according to whatever these stories are. Mm -hmm. Um, So was it, what allowed you to figure out that actually this wasn't your higher self, your truth, this was actually coming from ego and fear um, Mm -hmm. from the Mm -hmm. imposter within? Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always been really
1: into psychology and why we do things the way that we do um, i've always been really interested in that um, and at one point in in my kind of discoveries i came across something along the line of some kind of educational content where they were talking about how everything that we do we do based on a story about who we are about what we believe about where we've been and a lot of times we use our trauma to build those stories because those stories keep us safe. If you are in an accident and you fall and get hurt and you allow the story to be, um, I was listening to the podcast episode about um, the woman who had fallen hiking. Oh Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And had she allowed the story to be, I'm not a hiker because I fall and get hurt. Hmm she wouldn't have gone on to do those amazing things, but she also wouldn't have risked being hurt. And when I realized that the story is being created by my brain to make sure that I don't get hurt, I was like, hold on. I Mm. don't need you doing that for me. Mm. You're not me. Like, ultimately, the story is not me. And I have the ability to make choices about what is and isn't safe for me. And when I that it feels a little silly to say out loud, so I'm hoping it's resonating. But when I realized that I didn't have to go to the default response, I didn't have to respond to that first thought or that first fear, or even the cycles of fear. If I knew in my heart that something was right for me, then I perceived, I, I, I continued on. I I, I I persisted. And that shift from the autopilot of my life into a controlled kind of route. Like I was making the decisions. I wasn't letting that story make decisions about how I lived my life anymore. And it really was the thing that changed everything for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, totally, totally relate to it. And I think it's it's quite liberating in some respects but can also be scary for others because it's been their whole comfort and their whole justification for staying small. Um, But I found it very liberating when it was like, this is not me and actually I have free choice and I I can choose to listen or choose to not. Um, And don't get me wrong, there's some days where that voice just controls every aspect of me. But the majority Mm -hmm. of the time, I recognize it for what it is and know that it's just some form of protection and is is there because of something that once happened to me previously or twice happened or whatever. And and um, but that person, for me, it was almost like as well, you know, when I realized that it was coming from fear and it was often linked with your past and with trauma and stuff, I then kind of reassured myself that I'd already got past that hard part that they're protecting me from. So I've already proved that I can get past that part. And I'm not that person that they keep trying to remind me of anymore. I'm so much more stronger because not only have I got past that, but I've also continued to grow and to live and and, and, experience some other mistakes and other challenges, but I've done it with courage and and managed to get through. And I think sometimes we allow our ego or imposter or the voice or whatever it may be to make Mm -hmm. us go back to that inner child and feel yeah. that vulnerability and you know, and even just a couple of weeks ago, I had the very you know a, an incident where um it was linked with the vaccine, but I won't go into the vaccine because it's such a touchy subject, but it was linked with that, and um I read something on the news, and I normally don't watch the news but I basically was tri- triggered. And in that moment, I felt like I was drowning and that I was a five, like a five-year-old and I just wanted to cry. And I just felt like everything was coming on top of me. And my husband was like, my God, why are you overreacting? This is just ridiculous. And I'd ring my mum and my sister and they'd be like, why are you overreacting? And then I'd feel even more triggered because I felt like I was being stupid and pathetic. You were yeah. made to feel smaller. You were invalidated. Yeah. yeah, but then... When I then took the time to um, step back, I realized that it had nothing to do with the vaccine. It had nothing to do with the news. It was to do with how it made me feel. And it made me feel um, vulnerable, out of control um, and um, unsafe. And that, that's all linked to my past. Mm-hmm. And so I now know, oh, that's, that's okay. If it's just that, I know how to handle that because I've, I've been handling it already. And so I was then able to move beyond it and and work with it because I've already shown the strength of handling that previously. So I know I've got it in there. I've got it within me. Um, And so it does allow you to, to tap into that, but also to remind you that this is old news that's just floating around in your head that was so out of date. And sometimes I think, you know, as much as asking, does this make me feel good? It's like, Is this actually relevant? Is this up-to-date information? Because I'm sure I've got evidence here to prove that I've already um, like, moved beyond that. And I know that I can do it because over here is a shitload of evidence that's saying I can do that. So, you know, it's time for you to shush (laughs) type of thing. You,
1: at the beginning of what you were saying, you made a comment about how people use It's an excuse. It is an excuse to say small. And Mm. that hit me, that resonated so deeply with me. And I wanted to circle back to that because for anyone who hasn't taken this journey yet, or who is at the beginning of this kind of thing where you start to look back at your stories and really figure out whether you're co-signing them or not, whether that's your truth or not, whether you are, going to participate in that when you start to engage in that way you are going to start to to feel deeply uncomfortable you're going to feel so vulnerable you're going to feel so uncomfortable opportunities are going to start coming to you things are going to start popping off they're going to start and it's going to make you want to shrink back into that smallness that is such a valid feeling and experience and and you're at the beginning of it like i said i'm i'm you know closer to 10 years now into Mm -hmm. this but when you're at the beginning of it you want to stay small and i imagine you still fight the same battles i do of Mm -hmm. i still have that voice saying stay small stay Mm -hmm. small what if it gets too big what if it gets to be too much what if you can't handle it what if you disappoint people that voice never goes away but if i could compare it to anything Self doubt, the impostor syndrome, all those things—it's like grief, um, where it doesn't get less, but it gets easier. It yeah. gets way easier. It gets easier to shut those things down and not participate in them, and just feel like this is not for me. No, nope, mm-hmm. this is not for me right now. Um, and I, I love that you included that before sharing where you're at and what you've gone through, and and recognizing the patterns in your own story you were talking about how it wasn't just that one incident and when you were able to identify what had been triggered there you were able to actually get to a place of peace. And that's something that I've also found in my journey that has been incredibly valuable, is Is being able to recognize the root trigger of something that upsets you, so you can actually get to peace with it. I think that's incredibly valuable. And I love that you started there and landed it there at the end. I think that was incredible.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's true, isn't it? And, and it's taking the time to understand yourself. Um, in those moments rather than drowning in it it's like why am i feeling like that or why is that person triggering me or why am i stalling because we will only ever know the answers if we ask the questions and we can all live in denial and go around in cycles of you know negativity and doubt but nothing will change until you start asking the questions and they you know they are very small things that you can do um right away that you know don't cost any money and don't take up a lot of time because you know people are like I haven't got the money and haven't got the time to do this well questions are free and really if you ask yourself a question you, it will come to you when it's ready you haven't got to sit there and not do anything but by putting it out there you know it will then come back you've just got to be able to listen to it and receive it and understand it and the more I've understood myself, the easier it's become. And I'm imagining the same from everything you're saying. The more you understand yourself, the easier it is to, to navigate through that. Yes. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Love. No, no.
1: You go, you go. Um, and in particular, in the last year, I um, last year, August of last year, I started seeing a therapist. And I have got to say that that made my self growth, my self-love journey all that much easier. My therapist is literally my biggest cheerleader. She's always encouraging me, she's always supporting me. She catches me when I'm using detrimental language and things like that and Mm. having her support and having her so much encouraging me to be gentle on myself and extend the same kindness to myself that I extend to others has made all of this so much easier and just like, my, she is literally an angel on earth I am so grateful for her um so I'm I'm a big advocate for therapy if that is something that works for you or if it's something you haven't tried I find it to be incredibly valuable for people who um have not yet uh utilized it
0: 100 percent, so I mean I've done therapy I've done coaching I've done the whole whole lot and again it's about finding what works for you but I think that you know all too often we try and do everything on our own and the reality yeah. is you can only get so far and that limit is different for everybody but you can only reach a certain level purely on your own if you are hitting that wall that's signs that you need to look for external support and there's so much support out there that will bridge the gap from where you are to where you want to be um oh, in ways that save time money energy you know all of the stuff that everyone's conscious about about saving um And, you know, it's really, really important to look and and by looking for support, that doesn't always have to be an investment. It's podcasts, it's self-help books, it's external resources, things that then allow your mind to start to explore and switch off from the internal chatter. Even just for five, 10 minutes a day, that's five, 10 minutes respite from the crap that you're putting in your head that then allows you to reignite something that then wants more of it. And then you search for more of it. Um, my,
1: my coaches and my mentors have also been like total game changers, like have literally been a huge part of helping me build my dream life. I am so grateful for my support team, which is, does consist of my, you know, my, my parents my mentors my coaches my educators like so yeah. grateful and and there is so much for education when you find someone you connect with you you support them you help them build their business you become clientele and you grow with them and it's awesome and I I I, I love what you added about
0: no oh, yeah thank you because <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're just they're just as important
0: yeah, 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 100%. And you mentioned, you know, and I know from chatting to you that the self-love and self-care aspect played a massive, massive part in your life. And it is something that particularly women struggle with. And I think if they've gone through certain things in their life as well, um, they don't always feel worthy to look after themselves. Um and will often punish themselves on certain levels or push themselves to the extreme to almost prove some sort of point to themselves. How important was self-care to you? When did it start to come in? And what advice do you have for people that still battle with, with that side of things? Because I've now learned, they say, put the oxygen mask on you first before anyone else for a reason, I got signed off with um, PTSD, but I was totally burnt out. And you know, I've got a five year old son and I now know that I have to be at my best to be the best for him. And as much as I will always put him first, the reality is I have to put myself first to put him first. Thank you, mama. I love hearing that. I (laughs) love,
1: love, love hearing that. So, My self-care journey. I have always been very self-indulgent. Like I would do things for myself. You know, like I would. I always took basic care of myself. Right. You know, I, I did what I needed to do. I always smelled good. I always looked cute. I was always in clean stuff. Like it was. I never had a uh, executive defu- dysfunction in that department. Um, but self-care was a huge struggle for me, a huge, huge, huge struggle, um, for my entire life. I have struggled to put myself first because that's what I believe self-care is. Self-care is genuinely putting yourself Mm -hmm. first. I have struggled to put myself first my entire life. It just never felt worth it. And that sounds terrible. I hate to hear that coming out of my mouth because, oh my God, how could you say that it's not, but it just never felt worth it. There was nobody cheering me on. There was nobody congratulating me. There was no dopamine rush. There was no, you know, there was nothing that really incentivized me to do it. So like if it didn't make me feel good, um, I didn't, it didn't feel important and it didn't feel worth doing. And so there were a lot of things that I just didn't prioritize and, um, over the years, as I became an adult, you're kind of forced to, like I said, I'm 32, you kind of become forced to certain things. You know, you have to figure out some semblance of a budget. You have to figure out some, you know, plan for what you're doing and stuff like that, because self-care is a lot bigger than just hygiene and bubble baths. You know, it yeah. it really extends into making sure that you've built a life where you are safe, secure, happy, and comfortable. Like that is self-care really And there's a lot more to that than we think about. And my community that I've built online is really, really heavily based in self-care. It's really focused on BDSM, kink, pleasure. But a huge, huge aspect of what we do is self-care because I, I believe that it is so important. And I was making content for my group and I was talking with my makeup artist, my stylist. And she's like you know, Ellie, like, you know, you're gonna have to, like, if you're gonna keep telling people they have to take care of themselves, like, you gotta, you gotta lead by example, you gotta start, you gotta start doing that, because I know that you'll put things off, and I know you'll just wait, and I know you don't have the skincare routine you want, and I know that this, that, and the other thing, and you want to do these things for yourself, but you don't, because it's just not important enough, Mm. and I was like, How dare, Mm -hmm. how dare you say something so brave and controversial? (laughs) (laughs) How dare? But like that moment really changed my life because I was like, okay, nobody, nobody wants to take advice from somebody who's not willing to step up to the plate and do it themselves. Nobody, there is a, um, there is a concept that Brene Brown um, uses that I'm a super fan of. Uh, She says she doesn't take criticism from anybody who's not in the arena, right? Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Love her. Brené Brown, love, love everything she's ever done. But that one was incredibly powerful to me. And I was like, how am I going to stand up here streaming down into the bowl to take care of yourselves, to put your pleasure first, to love yourselves when I am stressed about work? So I'm not sleeping right. I'm not working out. And I'm I'm not doing the things that I need to do to feel at my best. I'm not... And I, I, it was a, like, it was a really significant, like, er, kind of moment where I was like, okay, reassess what is self-care? What is self-care? What is self-care? And I had a lot of support from my team in helping me figure these things out, too, because self-care is not just in our uh, personal lives. It's not just with us, but it also extends to our work and to our relationships. And, uh, you know, it, it really touches a lot of things mm. in life. And I started focusing on the small things that I could control. So I was like, okay, cool. We're going to get a regular sleep schedule. And it's, I started stacking small things and then we're going to start taking vitamins. Okay, cool. And now we're going to make sure we're getting three meals a day. Okay, cool. And now we're going to, and it was just one thing at a time, you know, because if you were to teach a child something, you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't lay it out all in front of them and be like, okay, now you do it. You would introduce that slowly. And so what I did was essentially reparented myself, um, adult me, (laughs) reparented myself into having the self-care behaviors I wanted to see for myself. And as I saw concerns arise, I would address them. So, oh, I don't have enough time for these things. Okay, where does that need to come from? That probably needs to come from the scrolling on my phone, probably not from when I go to see my best friend. Right, yeah. That probably needs to come from that disassociate time I take on the couch on Tuesday nights and not when I'm choosing to do my laundry. And it was just a series of really conscious choices that led to me being here a year later in a radical different position in some of the best health of my entire life. I'm happy and I struggle with less of that self-doubt and less of those limiting beliefs and less of those negative thought cycles because I have systematically looked at my life and tried to make sure that I am always doing what is best for me. And that's hard because especially as women, we come from put everybody else first, put everybody else first, be generous, be kind, be thoughtful, be empathetic, be thinking of everyone. And so to say I put myself first, I make sure that I'm the most important person in my life, because I can't show up for my community, or my clients, or my friends, or my relationship, if I don't, they don't want me at half power, they want me at my best, and they're willing to take whatever sacrifices come with that to make sure that I'm always, at my best.
0: yeah, and it's wildly powerful wildly powerful uh, you know you, you said some really key things there like the small stacks um you know and again like with a child you don't just throw everything at them and expect them to to take it all on board so why do we expect that on ourselves so you know i love the small stacking and you know starting really with the basics and that is the thing is um sometimes we just overcomplicate things and uh, and overlook the basics of sleep drink Exercise, eating properly, you know, all of those things, but they make a massive, massive difference to our energy, to our mood, to our, you know, blood sugar levels, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And also, I love what you then said with um, the honest conversation of, well, I don't have time for that. Well, where can I get the time? Because it's one of my biggest beefs in the world is when people say they don't have time. It's the one thing that Oprah, Richard Branson, um, Sir Alan Sugar, you know, whoever and us all have in common, we all have 24 hours in the day. They just choose to make like better choices than us and they don't choose to use time as an excuse and they're very productive. And so what I love when you were saying is, well, I don't don't have the time, where can I get that time from? Well, I can get it from not scrolling on my phone for an hour, bingo. You've probably freed up about three hours of time, maybe in a day, maybe in a couple of days, but there's so much time wasted on that, and it's like looking for ways in which you can pull that time back, rather than just going, "Well, I just don't have time. I'll do it when I have time," because we'll never ever have time. Oh, um, and so, I really, really love that aspect of it. And like you say, you know, um, and and I touched on earlier, it's the whole ripple effect. And if we take responsibility for ourselves, everybody benefits equally if we neglect ourselves, everyone's affected. And Absolutely. when people say, I am i don't want to be selfish and put myself first, but you will let, you can ultimately end up being selfish by letting people down because you've not put yourself first.
1: Yeah.
0: And, it's and, you that- will. and you will, it
1: is an inevitability that if you do not take care of yourself, you will burn out and someone will be disappointed, period. Mm. There is no getting around that. There is no, well, if that happens no it will happen if you don't put yourself first you will burn out you will forget something something will go wrong that you don't have the spoons to fix and it, it it's a negative kind of cycle where that then causes shame because oh no this thing happened and
0: mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's hard like, <laughs> it's hard and um I, again, I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about how we then talk about ourselves, which, I, again, I think is a form of self-care. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you are your biggest supporter, like, I feel I'm a very caring person. Am I caring to myself? No. And someone said, oh, would you, would you be friends with someone if they spoke to you the way that you speak to yourself? And I was like, no. Not at all. <laughs> And oh he really just like that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, no, I wouldn't actually. And yet I'm the first person to defend all of my friends, my family. Anyone says anything bad, but I'm on them like a rash. Like I am straight there. I will not have any negativity said about people. I'm very protective over my husband okay. and my son and and yet I've not been protective over myself. And that has caused myself Um, care sometimes to go out the window and so I always say you know it's not just the physical side and the obvious things but language is also self-care and if you can start to be nicer and kinder to yourself and talk to yourself in the way that you would speak to your best friend or your child or a loved one then you will automatically feel better about yourself which then again benefits everybody else
1: yes 100% and reprogramming that is hard. It's so hard because the default is whatever the running script is, right? Whatever keeps you safe, whatever keeps you from taking risks or getting hurt. Um, and, you know, I, I recently had a, a instance where I knocked something over and I made a humongous mess and it was not the time for it. It was not the day. It's not the time. I just, I was so frustrated. I was just ugh, like, ugh, it was so bad. And I just, I was like, you're so stupid. And I literally started crying, like I started crying and I was like, and I literally like I did something that my therapist had recommended to me, which is where like she will literally put her arms around her and she will hug herself. And I was like, I'm sorry, I talked to you like that, babe, girl. This was an accident. It was a mistake. People make mistakes. We're going to get this cleaned up and we're going to keep having a great day. And it was hard. It was hard to do that for me. I was already escalated and upset. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, when we get into that, what do we want to do? Change shit storm and, and, and swirm, you know, swim all up in it where, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I fuck everything up. Oh, you know, like, and to be able to pause and be like, nope, this was an accident because I would never, I would never tell somebody else who had done the same thing that they were stupid. Or, you know, at anything. I would never, oh my God, that was obviously an accident. You good? Like, are you okay? Or is anything hurt? Cool, we'll get it cleaned up. It's just a mess. It's no big deal. It's just a mess. We'll handle it. It doesn't matter if we're busy. It's just a mess. And that, that kind of in the moment, like, no, we're not going to be mean to me. We're not going to do this right now. And we're going to instead choose compassion and kindness only was possible because I've spent so much time shutting down that voice Mm. um in the back of my head and it doesn't come right away it's not easy it doesn't happen overnight but you can get to the point where even at your worst where you do slip up and you let that your stupid comment go Mm. um which i just absolutely hate because it's ableist and terrible i I hate that term i think it's absolutely trash so Mm. it was doubly upsetting for me (laughs) Um, you know, but I, literally even 10 years, I'm still, these things are still happening, but I know how to deal with it. I know how to shut the story down and I know how to meet myself with compassion and that word is worth doing.
0: 100%, 100%. And you're not the first person that, that's done the hug thing, um, which I think is actually really, really powerful. But again, I know we'll be met with a lot of resistance from people, but I think one of the hardest things is our language, because our words are our wand, and they create our reality, and we can, and we don't consciously think about our words, you know, it pops out before you say it, like, you know, often I swear and say, oh, shouldn't have said that, or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so there's a lot more conscious effort that comes with the language size, the side of it, but I think it is the most dangerous on a lot of levels, um, but there are lots of things you can then do, is like, by hearing this conversation that we're having, is then just building that awareness of What do you say to yourself on a regular basis and catching yourself, like you said, when you're saying it, and then stopping yourself from saying it? Because you know, if you're consciously aware of it and still allow yourself to do it, you've really got no one else to blame. But if you consciously see it and stop it and you know, apologize as you would if you'd said something, if I said something to you right now and offended you, I'd say sorry straight away, I'll be mortified. And so it's it's seeing is treating yourself as you would your best friend, and that for me is something that I'm really consciously working on personally in the last few months. Um, because that really hurt when someone said that to me, because I was like, "Wow!" Because I pride myself on being a really loyal, caring friend, yeah. and yet yeah, I was letting myself down on a lot of levels with that. And and I and it's yeah, I don't want to be. Doing that to myself because I, I I do genuinely love myself more than that. Yeah. I know I don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, and actually the only opinion really that really matters in all of this is mine. And if my opinion so low, how can I expect other people's to be any better than mine?
1: Yeah. And 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 working through that deserving bit, I that was one that was very hard for me. I kind of had to go in tandem with getting through this, is Realizing that I didn't have to do or be different Mm. to be deserving of love,
0: to Mm. be deserving
1: of compassion and validation and care and success and inspiration and joy and good times and good things and money and all of these other wonderful things that can come to us. We have to know that we are already deserving because if you're fighting off, you don't deserve it. Shutting down those beliefs is twice as hard.
0: Mm, mm, you
1: have to know that you deserve good things in life and then you have to show up as the person that you deserve to be and let those good
0: things come to you. What advice do you have there on that, the, the deserving side? Um, me and you touched on this when we first met. Because um, I know that you work with a lot of women to help them to feel that they deserve, and and to have the nice things in life and the pleasure and and you know and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I would say that's probably the biggest battle I'm still working on is allowing myself to feel like I deserve certain things for whatever reason. Um, and a lot of that is you know. I I don't allow myself to enjoy things. Mm-hmm. I love being a part of other people enjoying things, but I still really struggle and very numb on the whole, I deserve to enjoy things. To the point, sometimes I think I don't even know what I really enjoy anymore.
1: Like, I... I- I, I, I connect with that. I resonate with that so deeply. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even know what I enjoy anymore. I literally have looked at my best friend and said exactly that. I'm like, I am such a people pleaser. And I derive so much of my joy from other people's experiences that I don't even know what I like by myself. So I, I feel you there. And I, I've i found that that is an incredibly common sensation amongst femme identifying people is this, yeah, yeah. like, I derive my pleasure from other people's happiness. Um, and the. I think, especially, um,
0: sorry, just interrupting. I think, especially again, when you become a, a mum, you get so much pleasure and you give so much, I suppose, to my child. I don't have children, but children. You lose a lot of yourself. You also go through a lot of changes, bodily changes and physical, you know, physical and emotional changes. Um, but again, I know so many moms when when I then say, you know, what makes you happy or what, what do you enjoy? They go, oh, you know, I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I did something just because it made me happy. And yeah, that is, that is, a,
1: that is something I hear all the time too. And and not just among moms, among but, wives and, and amongst women who are, you know, in their late 20s or early 30s who are like, I don't. What am I supposed to be doing? I'm not following the same path as everybody Mm -hmm. else. It it is so prevalent amongst femme identifying humans. And I think that, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that there are, there's this expectation that you work hard, you get good things. Mm -hmm. You be a good person, good things happen to you. So there is this kind of um scale almost balance it feels like where in order to be deserving you have to have earned it Mm. but the problem is is that that's for treats that's Mm. for bonuses that's for extra stuff that's for the good stuff the exciting stuff the thrilling stuff that's that's for the special occasions we are always deserving We are always deserving of compassion and kindness and a basic, peaceful, good life. Like those things, you are entitled to them. You don't have to fight for them. You don't have to work for them. You don't have to earn those things. You are deserving of them just based on the fact that you exist. You are deserving of respect. You are deserving of love and care. And and I think that so many of us come to relationships or situations and we're like how can we prove that we deserve love how can i prove to you that i am deserving of this love we don't have to prove anything mm. we're already deserving we're already entitled to that and and that doesn't mean that we're entitled to people's times or to push people's boundaries or things like that but we are entitled to show up and be loved without having to fight for it
0: mm. we don't
1: have to That we are deserving of it. And I I think that once you realize that, once you realize that the people in your life love you and they want you to show up, that they know how deserving you are, that they don't need you to prove anything, Mm -hmm. I think you can carry that energy into other parts of your life and it feels easier. Because with the people who really love us, if we really sit with it for a second, we know that we don't have to do anything them. We're just us and they love us and then we love them just for being them. And and starting with an awareness that we are deserving of a good, peaceful, lovely, abundant life. And then going from there, I think is is really powerful. I if I could have learned anything sooner, I wish it could have been that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and I hear you know, I hear everything you're saying and then I think you know it, it that is so so true. But I think Sometimes when people have been so broken um, and hurt, and this might be children who have been born into really loveless families, or you know, people who have gone through abusive, toxic relationships, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But from my experience, like I know I would always push people away. Um, and would only let them love me on my terms Mm -hmm. until I met my husband and he never gave up on me but I made it really difficult for him not and I didn't want to but I didn't know how to not because I'd never had someone buy me flowers I'd never had someone do like the loving things and so it was like oh this is all a bit weird and a bit foreign and you know, still working through my own stuff. And I was like, well, I'm not sure that I deserve this and, and all of that. And you can, you can know what you should be doing. This is in life in general, but you know what you should be doing, but you just don't quite know how to do it. And then it can be really confusing with other, other people because you let them in, push them out, let them in, push them out. Um, and you're kind of expanding your deservingness so they think they've got somewhere and then you can sort of wobble a little bit and then you push them away again. Um, and it's a hard cycle for people to be in and I I know I'm not the only one that that has gone through that or is going through that Um, and I'd love your advice on that on the really kind of tapping into that deserving side because like you say we all deserve pleasure um, and basic pleasure as well as the treats like you were talking about but when it becomes such a foreign thing or you've got such a strong armor of protection around you, how how do you break that down? I think the same way you
1: tackle self-doubt, one thing at a time, when that story pops up, you don't deserve this. This won't last. They're not going to stay. What if you're not enough? Like, because I... I've got those too. I, I have, I, I've been there and I, I feel everything that you're talking about right now. Cause I've also done the, we're super, super close. Oh no, this feels dangerous. This feels mm-hmm. like something. this feels um, like you might see a part of me that you might not fully accept. And I might not be able to deal with that rejection or that pain, mm-hmm. or, you know, there's a lot that comes with having deep, it, meaningful connections with people and it can be hard when you don't know how to show up from a place of deserving but I think you've got to address it in, and and at least this is what worked for me obviously yeah. not everybody the same things work for everybody but in the same way you do the self-doubt is when those thoughts pop up is that me is that my highest self do mm-hmm. I believe that or mm-hmm. is that that story that keeps me safe because if I leave before I get left I didn't get hurt. They didn't leave me. I wasn't rejected. Mm-hmm. If I push them away before they can leave me, I wasn't rejected. I left you. I pushed you out. No, you didn't. Mm-mm. No, you're not going to hurt me. You're not going to get me caught up in this story again where somebody sees me. I let somebody see me and then, and then they push me away. I'm not doing that. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And so when you can recognize that that is the story trying to keep you safe, and, and that is the word I always come back to, story because story is not self story that story didn't come from me that story wasn't built by me that story is a coping mechanism Mm. and I don't really need it anymore Mm. and when you continue to look at that story 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 and you can separate you from the story it just like grief it gets so much easier to deal with when it when Mm. it does pop up yeah
0: yeah no I love that I love that and you know, I think it's a really important subject to, to bring in because there are a lot of people that have their armor around them um, through various different things. And you know they almost become untouchable. Um, and it's like they can see what they need to do. Like you said, it's very similar to self-doubt, but they just can't necessarily um, connect the two, marry the two together. Um, and so I think you know when it comes to that self-love part, it's such a strong thing in our lives and, it's, and it has the power to totally transform all of our lives. And it should be the most obvious thing that we work on because all we want to do is feel loved and, and accepted by people, isn't it? But we tend to overlook the love part of ourselves too much um, and just block it off too much and yet we don't need to and, and we shouldn't have to but I just think people have, have just forgotten how to. I
1: I think that we're finally at a point thanks to the internet where we have the tools to be able to access conversations like these and, and other things and TED Talks and Brene Brown's material and uh, Sonia Renee Taylor's material and you know there's so many different outlets for us now mm-hmm. I don't think I don't really think that we're all that much different than the people who came before us I just think we're talking about it like I really think that like the things that we're talking about our mothers went through this I oh, so Mm. Heartfelt conversations with my mother that inspired me to go to my group and be like guys let's talk about this because i now know three generations of women in my family who are dealing with the same things i did the same bodily shame the same self-doubt the same negative thought cycles mm. these things i just think they were suffering in silence and yeah, wow, yeah how incredible is it that that we can do this and we can connect this way all the way across the world together, and that people are going to be able to listen to this and, and hopefully take something that resonates with them.
0: Is that, and, and this is this is so the reason why, like you know, throughout this whole season of interviews, the topics have been so like broad because mm-hmm. there's one self dealt features in every aspect of our life. But two, there are so many um, areas that need re-educating on and. And I'm a massive advocate of um, being the voice for taboo subjects, like, you know, um, yeah. So with my past, you know, with the abuse, with miscarriages, with um, toxic relationships, anything like that, I will always talk about it because, and when I do, people then say, oh yeah, me too. But they've never been able to feel comfortable saying Mm -hmm. it. And I think, you know, it is really, really important right now to be exploring all avenues and talking. And I, and I know, obviously, conscious of time, but I know that there is another particular avenue that you are very, very good on that I really want to bring you back and do another whole episode on. Um, okay. Um, but I think, you know, it is really important to, to open discussion on taboo subjects because there's so much shit going on in the world because we've sat in silence for so long. Um, and a lot of the the um, crap that we deal with um, could have been dealt with so much easier had we spoken about it a lot earlier. And, yeah. you know, the self-education industry, which me and you are both in, is growing and growing all the time. Um, and this, as far as I'm concerned, is self-education as well. You know, we have to learn about reloving ourselves to understanding mental health, you know, to understand um how to deal with the the imposter syndrome how to navigate through judgment and fear and failure how to you know um gender equality you know uh, so much is going on that just needs to be taught you know black lives matter everything that's just been going on it all needs to be discussed because the more that we bury our heads the harder it is for the next generation to deal with it and i'm so passionate to be that voice and lead in my own little unique way in whatever way that may be to just open something up to go, do you know what? I'm feeling this and I'm going to say it. Um, And, you know, hence me saying to you about, you know, still having that block of really allowing myself to fully embrace the fun and the love and the pleasure, which is what Mm -hmm. I want to bring you back and, and do another talk on, because I do believe pleasure across the spectrum is something that women shut off um, a lot and I know that that is your main topic that you deal with with your clients um, and I know we've touched on just the surface right now with it all but I think you know there's a lot that can be learned in this and I and I'd love for you to be the voice for that to, to bring that in because I know certainly I personally would benefit but I know lots of other people will as well and you know moving aside from the embarrassment or the shame or whatever this might bring up this is about the greater good and 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 for me, it's about becoming whole. And I'm ninety-five percent whole. I'm ninety-five percent okay. I manage myself doubt ninety-five percent of the time. You know, I'm pretty good ninety-five percent of the time on on everything. But I do have that five percent, and in that five percent is certainly the you know the pleasure side and the the more self-love and acceptance of me, which I know um, you you have so much insights into that would be really really cool. Um, so I definitely want to to get you back on for that but but before we close today because there's been a lot that's been discussed um and I love the way that you describe things I love your honesty about your own journey I love the fact that you're a voice for everything that you represent you know the stacking the where does the time where can I buy this time back just looking at how you can show up as your best self to others by being a best self to yourself is there any lasting things that intuitively you feel that people might need to hear off the back of this conversation?
1: So many things, so many things just immediately popped into my head, but I'm just gonna go with the first thing, even though it doesn't sound super great. If I had known how much fucking work this was going to be, I would have never started. I would have never started my self care journey. I would have never started any of this, but the version of me who would not have been willing to invest the time and energy could not have possibly fathomed how beautiful our life would be one day. Could Mm. not Was not within the realm of their understanding, of their imagination, of their capability. Mm. So even though it is a lot of work to show up every day in the arena and to be present and to check in on yourself about your stories versus your higher self and to do all of these things, you cannot possibly fathom how much happiness and how much joy is waiting for you in a year or two or five or 10? And I can't wait to see what it's going to be like for me in another year or two or five or 10 because all of us have that potential before us to have a truly beautiful, abundant, incredible life. And I love being able to celebrate people's journeys with them that is what I do that is what drives everything about my passion and my purpose for my work the work is worth it The everyday every day showing up for yourself work
0: is worth it amen to that amen to that but what I will say you know it is it can be seen as hard work because it is a constant daily practice but it's a checking in but what I will also say is what is harder Doing that and improving or battling every day with the self-doubt and the challenges and all the other shit that comes along with that, because that's not easy either. And yeah, when people are like, oh, you know, that feels like hard work. Well, doesn't how you're living your life right now feel like hard work? Because I know I can do for me. Um, And I know that by the daily check-ins and all of that stuff, I get real enjoyment out of it. And yeah, it's a constant thing. And it might be hard at times, but my God, it's far easier than, than staying where, where I was. I could never go back. I could never go back to living like that. I don't
1: want to live like that. And that's exactly right. It is so hard. It is so painful. It is so exhausting to live constantly bogged down by your own self-doubt and by your limiting beliefs
0: it's so worth it to do the work it's so worth it to put yourself first definitely oh ellie it's been amazing how can people um find you and join your community and and be in your world so my community
1: is on facebook um and you can find us uh it's exalted boudoir if you type that in on facebook that's E-X-A-L-T-D-D. Yeah. yeah there we go <laughs> I can't spell out loud. I don't know if you to even try. Um, but we've got our Facebook group. Uh, you can also find the link to our Facebook group at Um, And we're on different social media platforms. And I I love my community so much. I know I didn't get to talk about it very much today. But it is a femme-only community. Um, and we, the members of that community are some of the most supporting, uplifting, awesome, powerful, incredibly inspiring people I have ever met, and it is just absolutely my safe, happy space. We just are constantly building each other up and supporting each other and hyping each other up, and it's it's lovely. I, I'm so grateful for for the
0: beautiful things I have in my life, and, and my community is definitely a highlight there. Awesome, awesome. Well, <laughs> it's been amazing, and um, there's never enough time. I always say... Yeah. <laughs> I could I, there was there's still so much I want to chat to you about which is why when we come off this we'll have a, a, an extra chat about it but um and you will be back um as long as you're happy to oh, of course. But, yeah. I would love to it it's just it's trying to cram everything into that hour and even you think oh my god an hour but <laughs> I can't I, it just there's just so much to discuss and and that's the thing um but for you to be a part um, of this season, apart from my mission, um, means the world to me. So you very much for, for joining me today. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you have any questions about anything that we've discussed, obviously drop them to me or to Ellie. Um, her contact details will be um, with the episode when it goes live. And I will see you all next week. So bye for now.